Um, but lots to talk about. We've got maybe some questions in, in, uh, in, in, um, at the end of the sessions. And already we're getting some really good questions in, by the way, from the audience. And I'd love to get more. So please keep them coming. Um, next up, right, we've got Emma Schuster, who, uh, Emma is a, is a climate risk analyst at a non-profit shareholder activism organization, Just Share, which advocates for corporate South Africa to use its financial and social power to drive urgent action to combat climate change and reduce inequality. Uh, Emma is an expert, too, on, on corporate governance, responsible investment, and the broader uh, piece of, of shareholder activism. So welcome, Emma, uh, to our webinar. Um, and I guess I, I, I would really like to hear from you and I ask you around the legal implications of greenwashing. How can we identify greenwashing? And what does it mean for, for corporate reporting more broadly? Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on this panel. It's wonderful to be part of this conversation. Um, yes, as from my intro, you can tell that I'm coming from uh, the position of an activist, which means that, well, I thought I was going to say that it means that my views are sometimes maybe a bit more urgent or some might say idealistic, although what I'm hearing from others, it doesn't actually seem that way. And it's really nice to think of accountants playing an activist role in in this process in um, identifying and calling out greenwashing. Um, in any case, in a time of crisis, um, being a bit idealistic is, is not a bad thing. Um, so about the legal stuff, um, it's not straightforward to talk about the legal consequences of greenwashing generally. At the moment, it's something that's still kind of being thrashed out in various ways through the courts, um, in parliaments, uh, through regulators. Um, but one of the definitions which comes up a lot, which we, which we he- see often, is um, describes greenwashing as a marketing tactic, right, which implies that the target is consumers or users of a particular product. But it's important to make a small distinction, um, especially in the way that the the uh, litigation plays out, between that kind of marketing-related greenwashing and then greenwashing that's um, intended to mislead investors and shareholders. So the marketing-related um, greenwashing, there's this is when companies brand a particular product or or their company, but through adverts as being green in some way. And there are plenty of examples of legal actions that have, that are um, have been taken and are just exponentially be, uh, coming to to courts, um, either yeah either through courts or through advertising authorities or consumer protection authorities. And a lot of these have led led to some significant outcomes. So bans on on fossil fuel adverts in public areas, um, orders to withdraw certain ads, and even quite significant fines. Um, in, in Italian, the Italian Competition Authority fined a fossil fuel company 5 million euros recently for an advert that um, said that labeled diesel as green and, and calling it good for the environment. I mean, it's not just fossil fuel companies. I mean, it's, it covers everything from the cases from bin liners to airlines, oat milk, and then even major financial institutions. So I'm sure some people would have heard of the complaint against HSBC recently where um, regarding its advert about protecting the Great Barrier Reef. And this one was really interesting to me because it's not really a direct misrepresentation. It's not about a green fund or a green project, but it's looking at the company as a whole and saying, well, you can't do both. You can't 
finance hugely environmentally destructive uh, projects or companies or industries, and then also advertise talking about protecting the environment. So those kind of claims are based on advertising or consumer protection laws. And then there's this other kind of greenwashing that it's that is intended to mislead investors and shareholders or other stakeholders like um, like the activists, which takes place kind of away from the wider consumer public. Um, it's aimed at people that read company reports, public filings, and kind of company policies, that kind of thing. And this is where um, the claims are about about having integrated ESG into business into business processes um, kind of gone a bit crazy. Um, in terms of so there's the relationship between ESG integration and greenwashing, we like to kind of think of it as if G, if ESG is the practice of integrating non-financial um, considerations into business practices, then greenwashing is the art of pretending to do that. And that's the kind of thing which is a little bit trickier sometimes to identify and can be quite sophisticated. So just for example, a major South African bank a year or two ago released a fossil fuel financing policy. And in it are all kinds of broad statements about commitment to the just transition, commitment to the Paris goals. But there are no real short or medium term commitments, no strategies or targets that would give substance to those broad commitments, those broad claims. And it also talks about the importance of gas as a transition fuel and the role of gas um, in developing Africa, despite significant evidence now that um, gas is neither least cost nor quickest um, nor the best way to address energy insecurity on the continent. So they've got this policy, and then as a result, the time comes for the company to produce its annual report on its emissions profile. And we see that the bank has actually increased its financing of fossil fuels over that period, which, is, as it reports, is in line with its, with its fossil fuel policy. And factually, that's true, but the policy has, in this case has done nothing but provide kind of a veneer or a pretense that the company is doing something about climate change while it just continues with its business as usual, which is direct financing of fossil fuels. And this kind of greenwashing is also facing legal consequences. Now, there are cases that are based on security fraud. That, that's the claim. And this is a significantly, a potentially much heavier and more significant consequence um, that can bring in direct liability of individual directors, including jail terms. Now, that hasn't happened yet, but it's fully possible within, within these kinds of um, cases and in other examples. And there are, so the, like the direct liability for directors hasn't happened, but there are cases based on this kind of um, claims. So there's the case of DWS last year, which was quite a high-profile one in which um, the German law enforcement publicly raided the offices of Deutsche Bank and DWS purely on the basis that they had evidence that the company was not taking ESG factors into account despite proclaiming that um, its products were green and sustainable. 
And then finally, just outside of the courts, um, there's also big movements within government regulators, uh, particularly in financial conduct authorities um, that are starting to crack down on greenwashing. Uh, the UK and the US, both of their major um, securities exchange authorities have made really big uh, pronouncements and uh, strides in this area. In the UK, uh, a new law will see penalties of up to 10% of global turnover for breaches of consumer law. That's a significant uh, amount for a major multinational corporation. And even individuals uh, who breach these laws can face fines up to £300,000. And then finally, in the in the EU, I think most people will know about the European Commission's recent last month published a proposal for a new directive, which is um, called the Green Claims Directive. And it's a pretty comprehensive proposal that aims to ensure kind of transparent communication and proper substantiation of environmental claims. Um, I have to say that in the time between a, a kind of an announcement like this and implementation, there's a lot of lobbying that goes on. So what it ends up being may, may be different, but the tide is not going to, is not going to change. You know, this is the direction that the law is taking. So yeah, just uh, to end, I'll say that these conversations about like how to identify and avoid it are really important. Um, but in truth, companies just need to be on board with the fundamental, the deeper, deeper, on a deeper level, the reality of the issues. So with climate related claims, that means, you know, understanding the urgency, understanding the impacts, understanding what needs to be done and then aligning strategies and um, plans with that in which case greenwashing won't be necessary and nor would it be to to avoid it. But um, as Michael said in his in his introduction, um, this is obviously where accountants and other professionals play such an important role. So I will leave it there. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Emma, thank you so much. I mean, that's such a comprehensive uh, overview of all the different regulatory pushes. And as you say, uh, it, it's, you know, to, so to an extent, only the beginning, isn't it, right? So this is, this is the direction of travel. It's going to get tighter and uh, companies are going to feel more and more under pressure from regulators to do it, even if they're not doing it themselves for whatever reason. Uh, and some great examples. I think many people will be familiar with the HSBC uh, example, particularly here in the UK. Uh, a lot of the big oil companies are getting, you know, lots of pressure as well from activists. Uh, and we're seeing shareholder activism as well, aren't we? Which is kind of interesting. Like, this is like starting to become a financial shareholder issue where people are, you know, entering the, the, the shareholder base and using their, uh, their stakes as, as, as means to, um, to drive change as well. And before we move on, I, I, there's, there's one quick question which has come from the floor and I, I do want to ask you about it just because I think it's perhaps the other side of the coin to some degree. Um, and, and the question, and this is a question from, from, from one of our, our, our viewers. Uh, it is how can we how can we prevent regulation and uh, the fear of of negative reputational risks resulting in uh, in green hushing and the green hushing I'm sure is something you're familiar with, uh, which is when companies are too scared almost to make claims. And it'd be good if if you have a have a sort of a, a better uh, definition than that, uh, but that is that is what I would say. Um, so what do you think about that? Do you, do you think green hushing is a, is a real risk on the on the flip side of this? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's a good term. I actually haven't heard that particular term before, but, um, I think that as I just sort of said earlier, the, um, 
honest reporting is really all that's needed, you know, and I can't imagine that the legislation in general due to like lobbying and, and whatever is generally less uh, prescriptive. So I haven't seen examples of, of uh, this happening, of uh, corporates holding back on their green claims. Um, I think put in the proper context in their reports, I think one of, one of the things that uh, happens, especially around sustainable finance reporting, is, um, is that you know com- companies will report on the number, so the dollar amount that they've invested into sustainable finance, uh, which most people are not comfortable really with numbers, and so it looks like a lot. Um, but put in context, it may mean, you know, only a, a small percentage of the portfolio. I just think that um, kind of as Yashi said, the more information, the more transparency, the better. People need to understand what what the company is doing so that they can make informed decisions. Um, yeah, I think an intention to frame anything in a particular way can get you in trouble, but as much information and put in its proper context, I can't see why the regulation should have that that um, perverse effect. 